if you'll indulge me for a moment, uh, it feels like only yesterday that we looked like this. <laughs> we look like this. Oh, there we go. Oh. Now, uh, some of you will remember those days. Now, although there is a big part of me that pines for those days, not least because I had a little more hair and was slightly slimmer, uh, but part of the days when our kids were that bit smaller and younger, one of the joys of parenthood actually is watching your children grow up and mature into adulthood. Uh, I mean, if Nathan and Joel had stopped growing at that point and were kind of 18 and 20 years old and looking like that, it would be slightly concerning, wouldn't it? Now, all that being said, in this session, I'm going to share with you a bit of the journey that we are on as a church. And really, here's the link, it is a story of us growing up. And because I think there is still at least a small bit of scope for us to mature a little bit more than we are right now, I'm going to be spending the next 40 minutes or so outlining some changes. Uh, if we could have uh, sound effects for every point I make. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Don't, please, please don't. Um, uh, I'm going to be outlining some changes that we're planning to make to enable us to keep growing up into all God has for us. Now, just to pause there. I'm aware that the moment anyone starts talking about change, it can have kind of musical effects, and it can also stir up all kinds of different emotions inside of us. I think, if we're honest, a lot of us do look back nostalgically to the good old days. So earlier on, Gemma referred to West Birmingham Family Church, who was around in the days of West Birmingham Family Church. I mean, those, I mean, look around these hands. The, these are the stalwarts of the church, the, the oaks. A round of applause. Yeah, yeah. Now, those of us who are around in those days, we, we can think of those as the good old days. And maybe we wish we could go back to meeting at the Martineau Centre and having Mark and Laura Titheridge leading worship every week and, uh, and all the rest. And we look back nostalgic, wish we could go back rather than forwards. But the problem with nostalgia is it tends to forget all the messy details. So as a parent, it's amazing how quickly you forget all about the nappies that needed changing and the sleepless nights and the Weetabix and petty falou being thrown all around the room. And in the church... I think we can forget the battles and the pain and the struggles and the difficulty that we endured to get to where we are right now. What's more, the normal reaction really to any change is to process it primarily through the lens of its impact on me as an individual rather than the benefit for the whole community, which means that left to ourselves, most of us probably would choose for the church to stop growing so that we could just keep things as they are. But just as it would be deeply concerning if 
Nathan or Joel, either of my children, had stayed stuck in the body of a three-year-old for the rest of their life. Slightly amusing, but not healthy. It's the same for the church. God's design is for us to keep growing, and that is a good thing because it speaks of health. Now, just to say, also my little kind of preamble, almost done, but just to say, I don't mean that we must always grow numerically, although, uh, in all honesty, it is my constant prayer that as a church, we would keep growing with new people being added to the church. But numerical growth is only one measure of health. Growth, I think, should also be measured in things like maturity that we looked at in the first session and we'll come back later on to look at some more. It should be measured in maturity and in our mission as well. We need to keep growing in our faith and in our knowledge of Jesus as well. And I think a natural byproduct of that will be a growing desire for more and more people to come to know Jesus for themselves. Now, all of that being said, if we're going to keep growing in maturity, if we're going to keep growing in the mission that God's called us to together, I think it's kind of inevitable that things are going to have to change along the way. And so for the sake of the mission that God's called us to, and for the sake of the need to keep growing as a church in maturity, I want to encourage you right now to at least be open to embracing new ways of thinking about things, and also new ways of doing things, because as I've been saying, that is part and parcel of growing up. Now, If you've been part of the church for any length of time, you'll know that we dream of being a church that helps make Jesus the most talked about person in Birmingham. We dream of being part of a church that exists for the good of our city. We dream of being a church that impacts nations. Now, let's be honest, we're not quite there yet, are we? I mean, there's still massive scope for us to lay hold of those things, but at the same time, I don't want us to be constantly kind of looking into the future and miss the very real fruit that we're seeing in all of those areas right now. The other week, uh, I had the real privilege of sitting down with some of the site leaders, uh, and we spent the best part of an hour just sharing all the ways that we were getting the good news about Jesus out into our communities. Uh, Just a week or two back, uh, our north site were involved with the NBA Fun Day. Uh, Our west site, uh, last Christmas, uh, partnered with a number of other churches and put on uh, a carol service in torrential rain and the bitter cold and howling winds, but put it on nonetheless. And people came to it uh, in Lightwoods Park. Uh, It's wonderful. And it will appear on one of the films later on. Uh, Mike McMillan, this is kind of cross-site fertilization. Mike McMillan uh, was sent from Westsite uh, to help with Northsite, uh, who every Sunday morning, those doing kind of set up and various other things, that they gather in the Goodfellas Cafe, uh, just around the corner from where they meet, and they have a breakfast to die for. And as a result of eating breakfast every week, they've really got to know the staff in the cafe. And uh, as a result, kind of most times I go to Northside, uh, they pray in the meeting for the staff at the Goodfellas Cafe and needs in their lives that they're opening up about. Uh, and so they used, decided to use this cafe for an event to invite their 
friends to, but really more so that the staff in the cafe could hear from Mike uh, a bit of his story. So great kind of when sites working together uh, on mission. I, I love the fact in South Sites through our community Sundays, we're slowly building a bit of relationship with the Bournebrook Fire Station and St Mary's Hospice and uh, others in the community. Uh, I love the fact that uh, in the last year, Is Faith Reasonable, uh, which we've been doing with a number of other churches in the city, uh, really uh, Johnny and Steve Babington, they've kind of pioneered that. Uh, and we sold out the town hall, 900 people in the town hall, uh, to hear John Lennox talking about science and faith. Uh, I think we'd have to admit that although Jesus isn't quite the most talked about person in Birmingham at the moment, a whole lot of seed of the gospel is being spread and we celebrate that and then on top of that there's the difference that we are making to our city uh, yesterday evening uh, I had the joy of uh, sitting down with a couple of people uh, who are just talking about things they're involved with right now one person uh, who's responsible uh, for sorting out housing uh, for those who are homeless in Birmingham, not just those who are sleeping on the streets, but uh, those who would otherwise be going into B&B accommodation. And uh, it's just not practical for a family of kind of six or seven people to be in a B&B. &B. Uh, and so we've got someone in the church who is working with the city council at a very strategic level, coming up with better solutions. And uh, as he shared kind of what they're doing and buildings they're taking over and people they're housing and how for two or three generations it's going to change people's lives I thought that's what it means for us to be for the good of our city I listened to someone else who uh, was speaking about a real desire for um, ex-offenders as they come out of prison to have a bit of dignity uh, and how when you leave prison you're given a, a, a bag that has her majesty's prison written all over it so straight away everyone knows that all your possessions are in this bag and you're coming out of prison. And uh, so he's trying to raise some funds and he's working with Winston Green Prison and another charity to provide uh, black holdalls uh, with little gifts in just to set you up when you leave prison. And that's what we're about as a church. We're for the good of our city. I love the fact we've got individuals in their workplace who have vested interests in things, just making a difference where they are. Uh, I love the work we do with CAP. Um, we've lost count of how many people have gone debt-free since we set up our centre. Owen reckons off the top of his head, it's somewhere between 30 and 50 people have gone debt-free in Birmingham as a result of our work. Uh, we saw earlier how CAP Life Skills has just started bailed with uh, Caroline kind of involved with that. And we've got four people uh, signed up uh, and going that. Learning skills that will set them up for life. Uh, I, I love what we're doing with CAP. Time for Tea last year celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Uh, just the last 12 months, 82 different older people have come along to Time for Tea events. don't know if you know this, but uh, every time there's life group sign-up, there's the, the seniors life group um, that we've got a few people in the room who are a part of. Well, there are 22 people who have signed up members of our senior life group. And uh, round of applause for those in the room who are part of that group. I, lo I, love, I love what we're doing with Sputnik. Uh, a few Fridays back, 
Sputnik took over Digbeth. Um, I do not exaggerate, well, slightly, but um, <laughs> Josh Whitehouse uh, had an exhibition of some of his artwork in a room pretty much next door to a hip-hop album launch uh, involving a few of the musicians from the church. And, uh, and it's spreading. There are four or five different hubs in different cities around the UK uh, pulling artists together. And it's come out of the church here, I, uh, I have the privilege personally of being involved with 2020 Birmingham uh, that started nine years ago uh, with the stated goal of seeing 20 churches planted in and around Birmingham by the year 2020. Uh, by the grace of God, we're up to 18, um, and the other two, we know where they're going to be and who's going to lead them. So by 2020, we'll see 20 churches planted around Birmingham. What we do in Central House um, one Wednesday uh, each month, we gather the planters um, and we share stories, we pray together, we do a bit of coaching. Uh, and none of the churches that have been planted have fizzled out or failed. Um, and I think one of the big reasons is we're providing a context for peer-to-peer encouragement. One of the challenges of planting a church is loneliness and isolation. And we are involved with creating a context for churches to be planted uh, and to keep going. Uh, if you're interested, uh, once we hit 2020, uh, we're going to come up with 2030 Birmingham and go for another 30 churches planted in the next 10 years. So 20 plus 30 makes 50. And if each of those 50 plant again uh, in our lifetime, that could be a hundred new churches planted in and around Birmingham. We, uh, as a church, are playing a part in that. Then there's mini kids, there's Hope English, and that's not to mention all the streets and the communities, the schools, the workplaces that are blessed by having you there. We, we are making a bit of a difference in our city, and we're also genuinely impacting nations. Uh, we have an international life group, and, and again, uh, we have a few people in the room from it. A round of applause for our international life group. Uh, at last count, we, we had over 25 different nationalities coming just to our south side. Uh, we want to impact nations, and we can do that. Uh, just in our city. Um, and uh, if you've been around New Frontiers for a while, uh, you may have heard talk of ABCD. Um, there's kind of a, I've been praying for years uh, to be able to send groups of people to uh, share the love of Jesus in Amman, Beirut, Cairo, and Damascus. As a church, we are heavily invested in B and C. So two of the four, uh, you'll know that we've got a, a group in Beirut, and Helen and I had the, the, the real joy of going and being with them for a week earlier in the year and seeing what they're doing on the ground, the, uh, the, the friendships they're forming with Syrian refugees, actually listening to a couple of Syrian refugees telling the story uh, of being relocated to Beirut, meeting uh, some of our guys out there, um, learning English through them, and coming to know Jesus for themselves. And they showed footage on their phone. Uh, of their home back in Syria. It's just a, a, a carcass of a building, nothing left of it. And yet they spoke with joy because they know Jesus now. And they said it is worth leaving everything just to find him. Uh, and we've got friends on the ground in Beirut helping people come to know Jesus for themselves. And uh, as we'll be hearing tomorrow, um, Andy and Heather being sent from us later on this year to Cairo 
what a huge city uh, with such need. And we'll be hearing more from them tomorrow. But as a church, we're involved, not in every nation in the world. And just because we're sending Andy and Heather to Cairo doesn't mean, okay, well, Cairo's sorted then. Uh, I think it's going to need a, a bit of work and a few others to, to join them and, uh, and whatever. But as a church, we are doing a little bit in terms of impacting nations. Now, uh, as we look ahead to the future, I guess my point is none of this changes we still desperately want to see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham. We remain as committed as ever to being for the good of our city. Our, our passion continues to be to impact the nations of the world. However, the route that we're taking towards the end destination has changed over the years. Those of us who put their uh, hands up saying we were involved in the days of West Birmingham Family Church, maybe some have joined a bit after that, you'll know that for a period of time, uh, we as a church were looking to buy um, the former Methodist Central Hall uh, in the centre of Birmingham, on Corporation Street, right opposite uh, the Birmingham Law Courts. Um, rather foolishly, we offered three and a half million for it a number of years ago. I say foolishly because that was 3.4 million more than we had at the time, uh, or have had ever since. Um, uh, but um, the, the people who owned it wanted seven and a half million, and the gap was too big. And we, yeah, we, we couldn't stretch that far uh, with our 100,000 that we had saved in the bank. So, that never happened. And uh, as a church, we, we prayed long and hard, well, what are we supposed to do? And uh, I guess we changed uh, the way we were looking to do things. Back then, we wanted a big city center venue that we could gather the whole city to, kind of uh, like a magnet drawing the city to the center. And it felt like through not getting that building, uh, God showed us that he wanted us not to pull to the center, but to uh, multiply out into different communities around Birmingham, rather than expecting everyone to come to us, that we were to go to them. And so uh, a few years back now, we uh, kind of, through prayer, and could we really believe for this, the elders of that time uh, resolved before God that we'd have faith to see four sites established uh, by the year 2020, four sites but we would still be one church. And on the day after we made that decision, uh, a lady called Sophie, who was part of the church then, gave me, we're on cue, on, we're on it, gave me this piece of paper, well, not this piece of paper, um, this piece of paper uh, with that picture on it. This is the official piece of paper that's normally under lock and key in my filing cabinet. Uh, and the picture, as you might be able to see, has kind of a, a big kind of squiggle in the middle with four spheres around it. And she said, look, I'm going to draw it because uh, I'm not so good with words and I don't know what it means. But basically, all I saw was that Church Central was going to be four but one. Uh, and the one was the important bit, it's kind of in the middle, and as we go for the four, whatever those four things are, it's going to lead to a growing momentum, and it's going to be slow to start off with, but as those four are established, it's going to create this kind of, uh, kind of momentum in the middle that's going to lead to greater momentum and growth. Now, uh, as elders, we're not always the brightest bunch, uh, but we kind of made the connection between the decision we'd made the previous day uh, about, should we go for four sites and still be one, with this picture of four but one leading to growth? And we thought, well, maybe God might be in this then. And so we, we, we changed course. We uh, changed kind of routes, or we changed the road that we were going down towards the intended goal. Now, 
since kind of driving towards moving to different sites, I, I think we've experienced, um, yes, yeah, some difficulty and some challenge, but also some real benefits. It's like we are going to where people are, and there are people in the room right now who wouldn't be with us if we hadn't started one of those sites in the north or in the west as well as uh, in the south. It's led to greater opportunity to contextualize, to kind of change what we do on the ground, to reach the people who are in the room and the people we want to see in the room. It's also led to a real multiplication of leadership. Um, Ten years ago, we just had two worship leaders, uh, each with their own band. Uh, and so uh, we used to fluctuate, kind of uh, one week they would be at west um, uh, and south, and then they'd have a week off uh, while the other worship leader and band did those two. And it would just, you can never go on holiday. Uh, I mean, Owen worked for kind of five years with no break at all. Uh, and Mark, who was the other worship leader, well, he left. Uh, so <laughs> it was only left Owen. Uh, so, and he can't be everywhere all at the same time every week. So uh, it's forced us to raise up more leaders. And now we've got 13, 14, 15 worship leaders with different bands uh, across the sites. Uh, and uh, praise God, we've got more people preaching. Hallelujah. Um, and that's just reflected right across... Besides, more people coming through, carrying responsibility. And that's one of the reasons we went into this, was to make space for people to grow up individually into what God has for them. It's enabled us to grow a bit bigger as a church, but also feeling smaller on the ground. So we're bigger and smaller at the same time, kind of greater kind of punching power, but feeling like family and community together. And also, uh, Tim has introduced different vocabulary to us since coming. Expediency would be one of the words he's brought to us. Kind of economies of scale or kind of, uh, it makes sense to kind of pool our resources and not all be doing the same thing. And so there's some expediency uh, to this uh, as well. So those are benefits, but in all honesty, some challenges as well. Um, I don't know whether this afternoon there's going to be a tug of war. Uh, I know Pete has brought a a proper rope with him uh, to enable us to do this. And I think that's because he has every confidence in the West side. So I'm not sure about this. Very suspicious. Um, But it has at times felt like a bit of a tug of war between the site uh, and what sits at the centre. So it's like the elders meet and kind of make decisions for everyone. Uh, and those in the site are thinking, yeah, but we want to do it like this. And we want to contextualise in this way. And we want to work missionally like this. And uh, rest of all, we haven't fallen out. But it feels like we're asking the sites to do one thing with one hand. And at times kind of pulling it back with the other. Uh, I think the other challenge is around eldership. Um, up until now, I've had one central eldership team um, uh, overseeing all of the sites. Uh, and we believe in eldership, and we believe in elders working together in a team, not just kind of one super leader doing it all. I think the problem is, what it's felt like on the ground is, there has just been one elder in the site, uh, or no elders uh, in the site. Uh, and if you're an elder in the west site... Uh, you have no idea what's happening in the north, and the people in the north don't have a clue what, what this elder is who's over in the west, uh, and vice versa. And so, kind of what we believe about eldership has been strained by the practice of what we have been doing. And so, in response to all of this, covertly, beneath the surface, 
for the last 18 months, we've been working with a group of potential new elders. And so, drum roll. Nicely done, nicely done. The first change that I want to introduce is that in the autumn term, we are hoping to appoint eldership teams in each of our sites. Now, the moment I say that, I know that straight away, some of you internally are going into overdrive, trying to guess who the new elders are going to be. And I know it's happening. I know it's happening. But I want to invite you to use this as a God-given opportunity to grow in maturity and model something of the patience and the self-control which the Bible says are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to be mature and if you want more of the Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you to be patient and exert self-control and don't speculate. Now, I can't enforce this, but I do want to plead with you not to start approaching people and asking them, are you going to be one of the elders? Because that could get slightly awkward if they're not one of the elders. Or it could be awkward if they are, but they've been told not to divulge whether they are. And one of the qualifications for eldership is telling the truth. And so you are putting a potential spanner in the work. So I don't want you approaching people or approaching people. You think they might be in the know. And if I sidle up to them they might just let it slip. So none of that. Can we be more mature than that? So no approaching people, uh, no sweepstakes starting. I don't want people uh, making any money out of this. I know what we're like. I know the way some of you are thinking. Um, So here's the plan. Here's the plan. If I was asking to be patient, and not do any of this, and I was saying, well, well, we'll tell you in two years' time who the elders are going to be, that would be harsh, and that would be unfair. And so we're not going to do that. What I'm going to do, I don't think you can get a whole lot fairer than this. I'm going to do a tour around each of the sites early in, not December, not November, not October, not the summer because loads of people are away and you'd be gutted if you missed it. And so early in September, which feels like the kindest time to do it, I'm going to do a tour around the sites um, and I'm going to spend a little bit, bit more time explaining what eldership is all about and then presenting to you the people that we're proposing to be elders in your site. What will then happen is you will have an opportunity to give feedback on this, not there right then on the morning, but over a couple of months, and we'd invite all of you to be involved with that. want to hear your feedback in terms of encouragement, and yes, we really believe in this, but what about this, or I've noticed that, and I'll guide you through that at the time. We want to hear feedback with a view to then hopefully appointing elders in each site by the end of the year. So that is the plan. Now, While as elders we were kind of thinking about all of this, 
and trying to work out what it would look like in practice to have eldership teams in each of our sites. Uh, our friend Ginny Bergen, who will be known to some of you, she's a lady from uh, a church we're friends with up in Sheffield. She's got a stunning prophetic gift and has helped us over the years in huge ways. Uh, she had a prophetic uh, word for us about a road in the Peat District uh, that no longer exists. And here is a picture. Look at that way. Synergy right there. Uh, there is a picture of, of this actual road, uh, and Johnny and Gemma, they, they took their family for a holiday there um, in the last year. So this road really exists. This is a picture of the road in its heyday. You can just about see some cars on it. Um, well, that road doesn't exist like that uh, anymore because the ground literally moved, resulted in the road breaking up uh, and ending up a bit more like this, Oh, generally like that. And so uh, they kept trying to reload the road for a few years, but because the ground had moved, it kept buckling up. And so they resolved they needed to lay new roads, that that road would be perfectly serviceable uh, for any number of years. But because the ground had moved, they needed to lay some new roads. And I think that picture has proved to be a really helpful image for us as we've deliberated over what the church looks like once we've appointed eldership teams in each of our sites. Now, rest assured, we are still as committed as ever to pursuing the vision that God has given us. The end destination remains the same. But... The road we are taking to get there is going to change. As the landscape shifts and we have eldership teams appointed in each site, drum roll. We are, piece of news number two, two of two things. So once you've heard this, this is it, and I'll talk about it for a bit more, but this is as good as it gets. We are planning to launch those sites as churches in their own right. Not so sure about that. Now, the main reason, bear with me on this, the main reason is once you have an eldership team in place, if you read the Bible, it would seem to suggest effectively you have a church unless you restrict the freedom, the ownership, and the authority of the elders, which is something we certainly do not want to do. Quite the opposite, in fact. We want to release each eldership team to carry full responsibility before God for the people under their care and the working out of the mission that God has called them to. And our belief is that this will result in greater growth and much greater multiplication in the years to come. Now, I'm aware that a number of you, and I can actually see it happening, a number of you are just kind of shrugging at the news because you kind of thought your site was a church already. So I just don't understand. I thought that's what we were. But there will be others for whom this is absolutely huge, uh, especially those who are around in the days of West Birmingham Family Church and some of the years after that. And so uh, if you just go with me for a little while on this, I just want to spend a little bit of time before we're done fleshing out what this is going to mean in practice. On one level, nothing changes at all. 
on one level. We still have the same vision and the same mission. We still have a shared history, shared promises from God. We're still family together. We still highly prize and value relationships across the churches. Very practically, uh, for, the st- uh, for the sake of um, that posh word that Tim came up with, uh, we're staying as one charity with one bank account and one staff team expediency. That was the word. Uh, we, we genuinely believe that we can still do more together than we can apart. So on one level, some things are not going to change. But what changes is the authority and the responsibility to lead will shift from the central eldership team to the local eldership teams. And from the moment that we lay hands on and appoint eldership teams later on in the year, they will carry responsibility for how the local church works on the ground. Now, it would be well within the rights of those eldership teams to change everything overnight. However, we are committed to a process of, again, this is Tim's influence, evolution rather than revolution. Now, that is good. Okay, so a process of evolution rather than revolution. And so things might not feel any different whatsoever at all at least to start off with. And as long as the local elders want the church central office to keep looking after all the admin and bookkeeping, and why wouldn't they? I mean, they do a brilliant job. Uh, And for the preaching team to keep coming in and serving, and for things like Emerge to keep serving the young people, and for us to gather and things like this and Uh, Church Central One, as long as there's a desire and appetite and faith in the local teams, that's how things will keep on working. As long as the central staff and the central resources are effectively serving the churches and the bigger vision, then they still have an ongoing purpose and role. That being said, the onus will shift to being on the local churches to choose to keep working together. And I think what's been brilliant so far has been the really strong sense of desire around the current site teams to work together. That there's like this deep trust and relational bonds and a generosity of spirit that we're certainly keen to keep on encouraging. Now, uh, for those who are wondering, well, what does that mean for me, as in Jonathan, um, as well as uh, keeping on leading Church Central South, and some people hadn't realized I was leading Church Central South, uh, a number of people thought, I think Rich was leading Church Central South, and uh, you're welcome to it if you want, but uh, at the moment, at the moment, I'm kind of keen to, to keep on leading Church Central South with a team of elders, and my role in all of this, we'd work with a small team serving each of the local churches through preaching in an ongoing way where invited so I'm not going to enforce my way in but if sites still want me and others in the preaching team to keep coming in we will keep 
coming in through also helping each church receive the input needed to keep growing. So like I said, it's great when Mike McMillan went up to the north side and just want there to be uh, an ongoing fluidity around our churches where there are gifts that will help bring strength to one of the other ones to, to, to help that fluidity so we still grow together. Uh, also, personally, I'm invested in making sure we don't multiply into smallness, but keep on looking outwards for the good of our whole city and to keep working towards the ends of the earth. I don't want us to turn in on ourselves. I want us actually to multiply and go even further because ultimately that's why we're doing this. We believe that multiplying healthy churches is the very best way to reach more people with the good news of Jesus. Building them into a family where there is space for them to be genuinely cared for and serve in the mission that God has called us to together. Now, I know that maybe some of you have got some kind of deeper questions about all of this and how will this really work? Rest assured, as an eldership team... We have been thinking this through for quite some time and hopefully have got answers to most of those questions. But while we definitely want to provide space for you to ask those questions, and I'll come back to that in a moment or two, I don't want you to let your questions obscure the bigger picture of why we're actually doing this. God has called us to serve Birmingham. He's given us big promises from the very start and we're simply looking to obediently follow his lead and be willing to adapt and change what we do to enable us to do this even better. One of the words that's really helped us in the last few years has been one that Andy Martin brought when we were looking actually to buy Central House a few years back. Uh, and he felt God speak to him from the Birmingham Canal system. And he felt God was saying that he's calling us to build in such a way that creates pathways all over the city, like has been done with the canals. And so we, as a church, can take much-needed resources to the places and the people that need them most all over the city. And this is kind of what we've started doing through our sites. But we do feel it's just the beginning. There is so much more for us to see. If you remember, the, the picture we were given at the start of the multi-site process spoke of not three sites, but four sites. Uh, and we've been thinking, we've been praying about this for a, a little while now. Uh, and we're not about to declare kind of this is the, the foresight, but we'd say watch this space. And we're still committed to multiplying new sites, which in turn will grow into churches in their own right. But we don't feel even that will fulfill the things that God has called us to. We're in faith that releasing our sites to be churches strongly connected together through relationships, through trust, through vision, will enable our present sites to serve their local communities way more effectively. We're also excited about the potential for this structure to enable us to plant many new sites in the years to come that in turn will grow into new churches, the work together to serve even more parts of this city, spreading God's love and power and community and wisdom and blessing through the whole of Birmingham. As Ginny prophesied, we couldn't get there the way we were doing it before. 
It's like the ground has shifted. And so we're simply seeking to follow God's guidance in opening up a new way to serve Birmingham and impact more nations for Jesus. And we would love it if you continue to come with us in faith for all that God wants to do through all of us in the future. Now in a moment, uh, Johnny's going to come up in the minute that remains uh, and we're going to pray for our city and we're going to pray for our church. But as I said before, we do want to address specific questions that you may have about all of this. And so if you want to talk this through a bit more, please do feel very free to talk to your site leader not about who the other elder's going to be, that's off limits, but about anything else, uh, ask them as many questions as you want. Or if you want to talk to any of the other elders, to, to myself uh, or to Mark, uh, Andy, Johnny, obviously Owen as a site leader as well. Or if you think, no, 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 I've got some questions, Jonathan, for you. Here's the plan. I'm going to be in that lemon room or whatever it was, the one that's just kind of around there. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, there. Uh, I'm going to be there uh, between 4.15 this afternoon and 5 p.m. this afternoon. So just 45 minutes, and I'm going to sit there and allow you to absolutely bombard me with all of the questions you have around this. So seriously, if if you want to dialogue some more, if you've got questions, uh, I'm going to be in that room, uh, and no question other than who are the other elders going to be, no other question, uh, uh, all other questions can be asked then. So that is the news. Thank you for bearing with it. Thank you for coming and listening. And back over to Johnny, who's going to pick it up from here. In Isaiah 43, uh, Isaiah's just talked about some minor things God had done in the past, like creating the world and opening the Red Sea and the Exodus and all that. And then he says this ama- amazing thing. I think God would want to apply this to us as, as we think this through, as we, we follow this through. Creating the world, Red Sea, all that stuff. Then he says this, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to, do, to what I am going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland, canals in the city of Birmingham, in brackets. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Lord Jesus, we we stand before you uh, humbly of heart, knowing our limitations, but also so thankful for what you've given us. We thank you for our our history, what you've done so far, we, we thank you for it, but we, we feel you drawing us onwards. And Lord, I pray, God, like Tim, I said earlier, that we'd remember this weekend, Lord, because this would be a time you started doing something new. I feel God would want to encourage us to think new. This is not, it's an obvious word in some ways, this one. Uh, but I think God would really want to put this on our hearts, think new, think differently. Well, you've sowed seeds before. Someone brought, uh, Sophie uh, brought the brought word I heard this week. We sowed seeds before. We haven't seen them grow. Go back to the seeds. This is a new thing. This is a new day. This is a, a, a new time. Go back. The seeds grow in this time. And God would want to uh, encourage us in faith to say, whatever we're feeling about the change, say, you know what? God's doing a new thing. We're in this new thing. I think God would challenge us to say, are you ready for the new thing I'm going to do? Lord Jesus, we say we love you. We thank you that you're always about bring making things new that's what you do you've always done it you rose your son from the dead that was pretty new and that's a pattern for us 
where there's deadness, bring life in our church. Where there's deadness, bring life in our community. Where there's deadness, bring life in our city. Lord, where there's darkness, bring light, Lord God. And we pray that we could play a part in that in your holy name, Lord. Amen. Amen.